lots and lots of spoilers. Uh, hi, yeah, um, welcome to, yeah, the Max Frank movie. Uh, we're doing a show today, I think, but, um, I'm alone, and, uh, I'm not really sure what happened. Whoa! Mike! Mike, no time to explain! Just let me give you some quick exposition. I'm not the Max you know. I'm Max from eight years in the future, and we are in terrible trouble. The omniconscious quad-dimensional incursion is out of flux, and I've come back in time to prevent that from ever happening. Now, according okay. to the butterfly cascade theory, one small event can completely alter the timeline. So, you see that cup on your desk? No, no, that yeah. one. That what, one. This yeah. one? Yeah, that yeah. one. It is vital that you move it an inch and a half to the left. My left or your left? Uh, your left. Uh, okay. okay. Now? Yeah, right now. Right now. Okay. It okay. Moved. Wait. A little more. Yeah. A little, little more. Yeah. There. Yes. <laughs> oh, we were we were saved. Thank you, Mike. Oh, now I can see. But wait, Max. He he's gone again. That is so weird. Moving a cup. <laughs> oh, uh, Mike. Mike. <sighs> Only a little time for exposition this time. I'm Max from eight years and two months in the future. Did, You've got the, to help us, Mike. But I moved the cup. Yes, but you don't understand now. President Justin Bieber is about to launch an all-out attack on the Samoan Icelandic Federation, and you are the only one who can save us. Now, you, 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 see, the, you see that pen on the left side of your desk? No, yeah. no, no, the blue one. Yeah. yeah. Move it to the right side of your desk. Now! Okay. Like that. Like that. Yeah. Good. Yes! Oh, we're saved. I can end this agonizing existence. Max? He's gone again. President Justin B... Wait a minute. Now, who is this coming back into... Oh, Christ, here Mike! again. Mike, it's me. Why? It's Max. It's from... I'm from eight years and seven months in the future, Mike. They just changed the formula of Diet Coke, and I really don't... So Max. we're going to have to just, look, but I need you to do, this is vitally important. No, there oh, is no on. vital, there is no moving my pen, there's no moving my cup, and I don't believe, I won't believe, I can't believe there's a President Justin Bieber. But, but the timeline. No, I'm going to cut your timeline. <laughs> You're hosting this week. You're staying right now and doing it. You are not from eight years and five months in the future. You're from right now. Your name is Max, and you had better have a good opening. Fine. Just wait till you see what what Vice President Britney Spears does to us. <laughs> Oops, she did it again. Oops, she did it again. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Max Mike Movies. We're starting a new series called I've Forgotten How Much I Hate Time Travel. <laughs> where we cover, you guessed it, movies that use time travel as a central plot element. We're not talking about the ones where time travel is a one-time event used for setting a sort of fish-out-of-water thing like a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court or Peggy Sue Got Married, but one where time travel is repeated to a degree where it's a constant plot element. And we have picked a fine example of that with a very recent movie, last year's Christopher Nolan effort, Tenet. That's what we're talking about. I am the here-and-now version of Max Levine, and over there is the eldritch horror from beyond time and space, Mike Luce. Hi. Hello. <laughs> was that eldritch horror yeah, enough? That was both eldritch and horrible. <laughs> oh, thanks. But uh, before we get to that, we got to talk oh, about... By the uh, way, yes? hoary depths. I just thought I should say hoary depths. Hoary you know, depths. Well yeah, done. Hoary, thank, hoary thank, depths. thank you for yeah. that. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> we got it. We have to, of course, bring up last week's poll question. Ooh, yes. Which is what movie was so touching, moving, or disturbing that you're really glad you saw it, but you never need to see it again? And boy, this really touched <laughs> a nerve because we got so many responses and we did. really cool ones too. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much, everybody. I'm, we're not going to be able to read all of them, but I want to thank all of you. And, you know, we're printing up extra bumpy bucks as we speak, and everyone's going to get them. 
possibly uh, even the special platinum bumpy bucks. Ooh. Oh, and uh, uh, hoary depths. You and hoary just and hoary depths for everyone. Why not? <laughs> it's a great name for a cookie. No, no, no. It really isn't. <laughs> I think it'd be a good name for some for a band. In fact, that's going to be my prog rock band name. Hoary depths. Sure, sure it is. And yep. uh, what yeah. instrument do you play, Max? The uh, uh, Dixie cup on a string. Ah, shall we get to the poll question? It's an answers. obscure instrument. You wouldn't have heard of it. Um, yes, you from call me a hipster. From from Vince, our Canadian contact, the 1984 film 1984 with John Hurt. That's a coincidence. Hmm. Came out in that year. It's an amazing film and really brought home the futility of fighting the system Orwell had in the original story. So much so that the few people who were in the theater with me had to be asked to leave because everyone was so depressed and defeated they couldn't be bothered to move after the titles ended. <laughs> Ouch! Okay. Yeah. From our legal consultant, Dave. Dave. That fires on the plane. I, oh boy. I had a bad I, case of that once. <laughs> I, well, I seem to recall a soldier eating his own excrement because ah! star, starving in the Philippines in wartime. Yikes. Okay. Uh, Hoary Depths. Hoary Depths. <laughs> uh, from Nick Hoffman, The New World was one of those movies I saw based on a picture. It's a magnificent imaging of the Jamestown settlement in Virginia, as well as an achingly told story of Pocahontas's travel. Breathtaking photography and great performances. Not sure why you didn't want to see it again. Right. Uh, uh, from our our closest genetic contact, Val. <laughs> now, interesting question. The first film that comes to mind is Woody Allen's Interiors. I wanted to slit my wrists after that one. <laughs> Do not want to see it again, ever. Another one is Howard's End. Oh, yeah. Well, there's an or interesting connection. <laughs> and uh, her assistant, Stephen, says, The Passion of the Christ. Yeah, sure. I'm going to go with Howard never ends, but there you go. Yeah, well, uh, from Matt Reisman, we have, I don't ever need to see the boy in the striped pajamas again, although I'm glad I saw it. It's about a child in the Holocaust, so I don't think I need to explain more. No, no, you do not. I mean, it's no the day the clown cried, but well, what yeah. is? <laughs> uh, but by the way, uh, Elizabeth Zielinski agrees on the boy in the striped pajamas as well as Passion of the Christ. And oh, two votes for each. Yep, yep. Uh, from um, Haley Paulson, Dear Zachary, a letter to a son about his father really did me in. It was heartbreaking and devastating and poignant, and I don't think I could ever go through that emotional roller coaster again. Nick Gasparoni also agrees about Dear Zachary, which hmm. now that is a movie I am never going to see. Nope. Both Jess Miller and Jamie Kleinert put, put in What Dreams May Come. Uh, Jamie says it was beautifully done with so many relevant messages, even for today, but once is enough for a lifetime. Mm. Wow. The Wheeze, Wheeze. In, in addition to telling us what a great question it is, thank you, Wheeze. Mm. On behalf of Mike, it was his question. <laughs> Clockwork Orange, great movie, great underlying message, never need to see it again. Yep. Shawshank Redemption, amazing film, very long, great ending. Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. <laughs> now, wait. Yeah, kind of need to see it because it sets up Episode Two in Darth Maul, but otherwise useless movie. I I'm, cannot argue with that. I can only because it's not powerful or poignant or touching or anything. It's just bad. He had a see, number. Our previous episode on all Star Wars films. Yep. Kelly Cooper said, brings us Closet Land, absolutely amazing performances, but it's about child abuse and torture, and it's really <laughs> hard to watch. Yeah, I, I get that. I do based on an Orson Scott card novel? Ooh! At, uh, Steve Kellner mentions Brazil. I saw the theatrical <laughs> version, not the hacked-up version the studio put on TV with the happy ending. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a happy film. <laughs> yeah, we got uh, so many others from people. want to thank uh, Peggy Trouth, want to thank... Uh, uh, Benjamin Carl, other people I am scrolling down, Agatha Gasparoni, <laughs> <laughs> and Ethan McCullers. Thank you all. Hey, Tom. Really, really appreciate that. Yeah, that was, there's some great answers. Max, of course, we like to yes. ask each other. Yeah. I'd like to ask you, is there one of those films? There are two, really, that come to mind. One, I got I to gotta go there with uh, the wheeze about Clockwork Orange. Brilliant yep. movie. Absolutely brilliant. I never want to see it again. The other one is David Lynch's Blue Velvet. Oh. Blue Velvet, it, really well done. Amazing, amazingly directed. And it scared the living crap out of me. I never could look at Dennis Hopper the same way. He did that 
iconic Frank Booth character. That's where you get the, don't look at me! Don't look at me! Hmm. And he was terrifying because he was absolutely believable. Like, I believe there is someone out there like that, and I would, I never want to meet him. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What, what about you? Uh, I got to have to to add in with uh, Clockwork Orange. And yeah. for a while there, I was surprised no one had mentioned it. Um, the Wheeze brought it up, only, I think, only yesterday. And I was just like, yeah, it's an amazing film. Don't want to see it. And nope. I saw it oof, sometime in the 80s. And it was just, it was when I, I think when you're younger, if you see things, they actually scar you more than later on. When it's like, yeah, I've seen crap like this. So maybe yeah. now I could watch it again. No interest. Yeah. Um, I'm also going to go with Passion of the Christ, which I don't know uh. why I saw. Uh, not being a religious person. Uh, one of the problems, besides the fact that the director just exulted in the torture scenes <laughs> and the odd rubber suit that the actor playing Jeebus was wearing after having been flogged and stuff was sort of, huh? Nah. Um, it's just not a good movie. No. Like, you can't go to that film having not read or understood the the actual story and get anything out of it. It really just assumes you know the story, and it's like, well, you know the story, but do you know every drop of blood? Well, here! <laughs> this um, one's and, name is Bob. Yeah. And then lastly is a film that goes under the poignant category, and that was Moonlight. Uh, Moonlight oh. is an amazing film. It won uh, Best Picture that year, yeah. not uh, the Hollywood. What, what was it? Blah, was, blah, uh, blah, blah, Land, which yep. was the big mistake. Um, Warren, I'm still looking at you. <laughs> but it was heartbreaking. It was really well done. And it was there was one scene I actually had to leave because I knew there was the the main character as a kid is about to get beat up by his schoolmates and it's like I don't need to see this so I actually took uh, a potty break. Wow! And I don't need to see it again, but it's a really good film and I it's one of those things I think is worth seeing once. So again, thank you everyone for answering the poll question. But most important, well, not most mm -hmm. important. But Max, do we have one for this week's show? We do. What touching or sad movie scene? No matter how many times you see it. Still makes you tear up. Be honest now. Aww. You know, the, if you're sitting with someone and you don't want them to know that it's getting to you and you turn your head a little bit, but it still gets you right in the feels. Yeah, what you'd be amazed how many things I'm allergic to in the theater. <laughs> yep, a lot of dust in movie theaters. It's yeah. really disturbing. But now, trivia. Ooh. The show. Okay, well, this movie, the budget was $205 million. Yeah. It made worldwide $364 million. Technically, well, that is a failure. But it also was released during the uh, pandemic, wasn't it? Yeah, we, uh, we'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the most dramatic scenes is a, a 747 airplane crashing into a hangar. The production team purchased and then crashed... A real 747 into a hangar. The yeah. stunt was all practical effects, no visual effects, no CGI. Mm. No, Christopher Nolan had originally planned to use miniatures and set pieces. However, he was looking for locations in Victorville, California, and they discovered a huge array of old planes. It became apparent it would actually be more efficient to buy a plane and crash the plane. Mm. Yeah. Well, there you go. There was a lot of secrecy surrounding this project before its release. Actor Robert Pattinson said that he was only allowed to read the script in a locked office at Warner Brothers Studio. His co-star, and I didn't know he was in this movie, spoiler, Michael Caine. <laughs> well, co-star, he's there he, well, for 30 seconds. He, he's literally on screen for 30 seconds, and always he owns it. Hmm. Wasn't even allowed to read the entire screenplay. He was given his scenes only to read before shooting. Before the movie's release, Kane told the press he had no idea what the film was about. And after seeing, he still doesn't know. Despite being a very... Sorry, sorry. Getting ahead of ourselves. Secrecy! Right, I'm going to put you in an office and you only have a house plant to eat. Oh boy, that's a deeper. <laughs> sorry, uh, Harlan Ellison. Yeah, yeah. In addition to performing the stunts backwards, the main <sighs> cast actually learned how to speak in reverse for their roles. Okay. Kenneth Branagh, excuse me, Sir Kenneth Branagh, <laughs> I, I am legally required to call him that, not only learned how to speak backwards, but also had to do it with a Russian accent, sure. as opposed to his normal Northern Irish accent. This yeah, because I couldn't just reverse the tape. That would be too expensive or yeah, yeah. something. 
wouldn't be real enough, man. Sure. First, this is the first major studio film to be released theatrically during the COVID pandemic. So, yeah, mm. that may be why it didn't quite bring in the bucks they were hoping for. Yeah, that might be it. Yeah. Uh, when, the, when the pandemic hit the United States in the spring of 2020, the film's score was about 80% finished. The only thing it really affected was an orchestral section that was scheduled for April. As a result, part of the soundtrack was completed by putting together individual recordings of the musicians in their homes. Oh. Yeah. I didn't uh, notice anything. This movie uses no green screens, just practical effects. This includes the inversion sequences, uh, for which director Chris Nolan chose instead to shoot every scene twice. One time with the actors moving forward and once with them doing everything backwards, and he wonders why nobody likes working with him. <laughs> Is that true? No. Yeah, actually, people do like him. I just don't like working with him. Anyway... <laughs> Because he's yeah, Bumpy didn't have anything nice to say about he's him. He's never. I don't like him because he's never asked me to work with him. Uh, due to the ah. now, due to the extremely dark, intense nature of several of the scenes they shared, and boy, was it Kenneth Branagh and Elizabeth Debicki, the woman who plays Cat, his wife, lightened the mood between takes by playing a game in which they took turns singing famous songs they didn't know all the words to, <laughs> and trying to fill in the missing lyrics. The two of them revealed during an interview that while shooting the car chase sequence, Branagh sang a song from Les Miserables in which he ad-libbed the lyrics of his own that made Debicki laugh so hard she tore the hem of her skirt. <laughs> well, it's just like an old Spanish love song. Huh? <laughs> arr, arr. That's a deeper. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really obscure one. I think uh, only you and I know that. <laughs> and Yeah, yeah. Oh, and Dave. And Dave. Dave. Uh, when casting for the female lead, Nolan pa almost passed on Elizabeth Debicki because he thought she was an American, and he was looking for a very British characterization, and he had only seen her in the movie Widows. So he was sure she was American. It wasn't until Emma Thompson, who is the producer of this movie, and also, I didn't know this, Christopher Nolan's wife. Oh, that's so, interesting, because yeah. she used to be someone else's. Yeah, yeah, apparently things are, are, there are okay between them. She suggested that uh, she used a bicky and had to tell him that she is, in fact, Australian. Ah, well. Okay. Yeah, by the way, we do get a bunch of Harry Potter alums in this one. We've got uh, Robert Pattinson, Cedric Diggory, Kenneth Branagh. Emma Thompson isn't on screen, but she's behind the scenes. And, of course, Clemence Posey, who plays the doctor in one scene. In oh. the, yeah, she was um, Fleur Delacour. Oh, wow, I didn't recognize her. Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, the shot of the building simultaneously imploding and exploding during the final temporal pincer battle scene, try saying that three times fast, Count. was filmed almost entirely in camera. The production team built some, some large-scale miniatures, two buildings that were one-third scale, then blew up the top one and the bottom of the other. They matched the camera angles, then composited the shots together in post-production. Visual effects were only used to touch up the excess amount of dust. Ah. Uh. There are, and I'm sure you I'm sure you counted, only 280 visual effects shots in this movie, oh. which is less than most romantic comedies. I missed one. Yeah. This is also low for Christopher Nolan. You know, Dark Knight had 650. Cripes. Yeah. Uh, actor Kenneth, Bra sorry, Sir Kenneth Branagh, <laughs> revealed that he read the screenplay for that film more times than anything he had ever worked on. I can't imagine why. Yeah, he co he compared navigating through the script to doing the Times crossword puzzle every single day, which is about the most English way to describe this I could imagine. The London Times, not the New York of, Times, I'm well, sure. Of, well, of course, silly boy. There's other stuff, but it's mostly about how impressive the special effects are and how hard, hard everything was to do. Yeah. All right, now the fun part, Max. Oh, I would really love it if you could somehow sum up the plot of this film. Now, again, we have this in the title sequence, so you should know this is a recent film. Yeah. Um, I'm guess it's still not even rentable. You have to buy it. Um, unless no, I, no, you, no, you it's got out it on a disc. Uh, it's on uh, like some of the streaming services. Not the free ones. Like I think it's no, like maybe HBO it's on Max. It's on HBO Max. Yeah, but you still have to pay ten bucks to see it. Yeah, so, yeah. Spoilers. Lots this will be of a spoilers. Spoilers. Spoiler filled. And it's not um, going to make any difference. Sum up that I am dying to hear. <laughs> okay. So once upon a time, a young Christopher Nolan got really freaked out after watching <laughs> the Time Machine. All right, that's that's what I assume. 
We start with an unnamed super-secret agent trying to foil a terrorist attack on an opera house. Or is he? He ends up captured and taking a suicide pill. Or does he? It's just a test. But by whom? Moving on. He's got to stop an evil Russian guy from doing evil things from the future. It turns out that future events like this will affect our daily lives in the future, for that is where you and I will be spending the rest of our lives. Hey, Criswell, sew it up. (laughs) No, seriously, it turns out that something bad is happening with someone in the future sending stuff to the past, which is bad, and time can be rewound if you believe it, but you have to have already done something already? So our protagonist, whose name in the credits is actually protagonist... Yeah. Meets up with Edward from Twilight and goes after a nasty <laughs> Russian oligarch because oligarchs are the new standard bad guy. But he decides he like the likes the oligarch's wife's cat. No, wait, he likes the oligarch's wife whose name is Cat. And there's Michael Caine and lots of backward driving. And Kenneth Branagh is Russian now, and they can't let him kill himself yet. And there's a big battle going forwards and backwards at the same point in time. And I think the protagonist turns out to be his own father, and I have to lie down now. <laughs> down right well um thank you for that do this (laughs) (laughs) thank you for that summing up which quite honestly was pretty well done yeah thank Uh, you we'll we'll, we'll get to that um Uh, yeah this this movie actually hurt me (laughs) (laughs) but that could be in a good way we're not telling you just yet it Uh. could be in a good way so the film starts with something that's odd in that that is a red Warner Brothers logo. I don't know why they do that, because generally the red uh, thing only shows up in previews. I can tell and- you why. Oh, good. The Warner Brothers logo and the what Syncope logo that follows it, the Warner Brothers logo is red and the Syncope logo is blue. Does that uh, remind you of anything? Yes, but it's dumb. <laughs> yes, it's at the end, two of those fighting forces are labeled with red and blue armbands, and one's going forward in time, and one's going backward in time, but showing up at the same place in time. Isn't that like Halo? I don't I don't know, I never played it. Oh, I think it is. Um, all right, so we know that. Uh, with the opening, there's this nifty James Bond opening, and yeah. I think James Bond is kind of a theme for the film, because yeah, the protagonist, yeah. which... Yeah. So there's a novel that did this a lot like back in the 80s. It's a novel called uh, Snow Crash. And the oh, lead yeah. character is a Japanese. He's half Japanese. His first name is Hiro, H-I-R-O. Yep. And his last name is, in fact, Protagonist. Um, and it it's kind of cheeky there. And it's like, okay, whatever, Neil Stevenson, whatever you feel like doing. Here, you just sit there realizing you don't know the name of the main character. Ever. Nobody actually calls him Protagonist except nope. himself. Yep. He says, but I'm I the protagonist. By the way, the guy playing him, uh, that is John David Washington, who some people, not, I've never seen the show, know him from the uh, show Ballers. Oh, don't know it. Where he plays, uh, I mainly knew him from, uh, he plays the lead, he plays, a, uh, what's it, Richard Stallworth in Black Klansman. Oh. And uh, you may also, if he looks familiar, he's, he's Denzel Washington's son. Oh, so okay. this is another case of obviously someone getting into movies just because he's someone's son and he's really good looking and he's really talented. That is so <laughs> Hollywood. God, <laughs> I was gonna say I actually thought he did a great job, he's, and he has um, an awesome beard, and I hate him for it. But and he's not at all built real nice. Just saying. Yeah, um, but my God, that beard! I want his beard. No, he's actually really good. Obviously, the acting gene is strong in this one, but. Yeah. Speaking yeah, of I, which, I got to give props. Edward Pat uh, Edward <laughs> Robert Pat- <laughs> Sorry man, it's your fault. You said yes to five or eight of those movies. It, Robert yeah. Pattinson actually does a pretty good job in this. I mean, he's not doesn't have a lot to do. He's basically, "Hello, I'm being suave in English." Yeah. And but part the, of MI um 8 or uh, 9 or- MI 2 to the N minus 1. I'm not sure. Or TikTok, but ooh, that's deeper too. <laughs> ooh. Yeah. Um, I so I want to I don't want to go past uh, John David Washington yet. I did not know he had a relationship with anybody else. I think he's great. Uh he's a good looking guy. He's built real nice. He does action stuff great. This all feels James Bondy. I know there was some talk a while back about actually having a black James Bond. It looks like the new film might actually have a black woman 007, which is fine. Um 
James Bond is a clear influence on most of this film. Yeah, um, that, and, J- point- and Jason Bourne, I'd say. Well, Jason Bourne, is, of course, comes right from James yeah. Bond. There yeah. wouldn't be no Jason Bourne without James Bond. Um, and specifically the um, current James Bond run, not not any of the, like, Sean, Con- Sean Connery or the... <laughs> that was terrible. Uh, or, <laughs> or any of the other ones, but definitely the Daniel Craig um, James mm. Bond films. And, you know, the action's great, and there's all this cool spy stuff to the point where you're like, hey... Um, wasn't this supposed to have time travel in it? Aren't we going to do some mm. is there with the and the stuff? And then suddenly um, time travel shows up and everything goes out the window. Well, let's go, we'll, we'll get to that because there are some really good performances as yes. you pointed yes, out. Yes, I would yes, like there to talk are. to. So John David Washington's great. I really like him. Robert Pattinson's fine. Um he doesn't do a huge amount. He is British, so he gets that point across very well. <laughs> uh, Michael Caine shows up, and they did something that I thought was really annoying. I mean, of course, first I couldn't help but think, aha, it is Michael Caine of the future. It's not. <laughs> no. um, they, his name in the movie is, in fact, Sir Michael. And it's like, okay. Yeah, yeah we get it. Fine. Thanks for taking us out of the film. Hi. Have, I ne- have I mentioned I've been knighted? It's really cool. I want everyone to know I've been knighted. Uh, Max, yes. more pauses. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I would like everyone to know that I've been knighted. Yeah, yeah hey, that's better. More like that. Um, he's fine. Now, Elizabeth Debicki, don't know her, but I had one thought through the whole film. Mm? Give that poor woman a sandwich. She, you know, she is also, she's six foot three. Okay. She is a, you know who she reminded me of? Who? It was uh, Mirage from The Incredibles. Oh, okay. I think she does an amazing job in this. That she, she does act really well, but I was just like, she's painfully thin. She she is pretty thin, but and and her, I, I think her neck is approximately eleven feet long. But uh, <laughs> she does this great, you know, quiet desperation. This beaten down soul that is still fighting and is still angry. Yeah. Honestly, she's probably, I think, the most empathetic character in the movie, because you at least understand what's going on with her. We're going to get to that. (laughs) Stop leaping ahead in time. Uh, Well, it's just appropriate, isn't it? (laughs) You already did that. Five years and eight months. Why you, I ought to. Yeah, she she actually has a number. Like, the character has a big range in this film. When we first meet her, she's very calm and collected and sure of herself. Then we see that vulnerable side because she's all about saving her son. She and this Russian oligarch, Russian oligarch, have had a son. And the Russian oligarch, of course, is holding the son as sort of... Leverage, basically. Yeah. Um, because his whole thing is, if I can't have X, nobody can. And that yeah. will, of course, play into the plot later on. Um, who else I, do we have in here? I think um, Kenneth, I think... Kenneth Branagh does a pretty good job. Uh, he's he very, he's good at the, he's very menacing in this. He is very menacing. His Russian accent's fine. Yeah. Um, decent. it's not too moose and squirrel. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's good. It's, it sounds like an educated Muscovite. Yeah. And I totally believe that his character, uh, whose name I can't remember, would... Oh, Sator. Beat me with your Sator stick. Um, I totally believe that his character would do the horrible things that his character is um, has claimed to do or has been said to do. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a character, uh, I'm, if I've got her name, was her name Priya or Priya? Priya. Mm-hmm. Her name, her character, her actor's name was uh, oh. Dimple Capadia. Isn't that the greatest name, <laughs> Dimple Capadia? I love that name. I, I want to see that. I want her to do more movies just so I can see her name in the credits. And I she, actually really liked her. She I did, was like, yeah. she is she like the Judy Dame Judy Gench character from the James like the head of of whatever. She I, felt yeah. like it. She and did. She had I love this great I quiet confidence. She's like, well, I'm using the pretty guy as my as my. Uh, my, my facade. Yep. Um, her husband was supposed to be the one who was in charge of everything. And it's just like, he seems all, you know, dapper and, and in charge. And it's like, yeah, no, he's just window dressing. <laughs> um, so there's, there's a good cast here. Yeah. There's some good, uh, acting here. Um, there's, I, one of my notes is Christopher Nolan loves to spend money. Love, oh, love, boy, love, 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 love. Cause it's at the expensive film and it feels like an expensive film. You can um, see the money up on the screen. I mean, the effects yeah. and the, the actors. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like when there needs to be a helicopter. Nope, I need three. Okay, <laughs> and they've got to be real. Yeah, and I and there's never a point that I felt like it was CG. Apparently, because it wasn't. No. Um, 
the plane crashing into the warehouse when you told me that it was a real plane was not surprised. Yeah. <laughs> also, I got to say, whatever else you say about Nolan, his pacing is really good. This movie is two and a half hours, and it doesn't feel like it. It moves along really fast. Sometimes really, really fast. The pacing is fast. The comprehension... Well, we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's also one point, there's another little, so that thing I said about, uh, them calling him Sir Michael, I was like, oh, that's cute. Later on, they talk about the fact that the future thingy backwards stuff thing is like a twilight world. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's like, oh, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause there's one thing I really wanted to think about in the middle of this film is line, <laughs> line. That's no, right. Team yeah. protagonist. <laughs> And so, okay, I want to ask a question here. Yeah. What is the point of not giving him a name? Because uh, he's the one black guy in the film. Uh, Why doesn't he have a name? I is there a point to this? I, Does it help I, anything? All I can figure is that it has something to do, you know, with the sort with the reveal at the end, <laughs> and the idea that he is someone who's working. He's not at a fixed point in time, so he's not like. He doesn't have a te- an identity in the in in our temporal world. I I think we can probably manage to not give away the reveal in talking yeah, to this. I okay. think we probably can. We we'll try. Try. Um, but I for me it lessened like one of my earliest notes was we don't know who or where. Like they yeah. don't tell you. Like I guess they tell you. Okay, it's it's a oh, Russian you, opera house. You get a lot but, of location stuff. Like I'm going back to Mumbai. I'm going to Estonia. Well, well, but he, he were, I need to go back to mom. Okay, good. Now we know that's where you were. Yeah. Um, they don't tell us where we are. We assume it's present day, uh, which if yeah. you're doing a time travel movie, that's not a given. You should probably let us know yeah. it's not like yeah. 2030. Um, you know, all the cars, I suppose, once we figure it out. But they, he really just dumps us into the, the whole spy thing, um, which is fine. Um, it goes off like a spy movie thing, except we suddenly realize there's something else weird going on there. They, they find this MacGuffin and it's a MacGuffin. Yeah. Um, I guess yeah. it sort of does have to do with the plot. Sort kind of, but of. Sti- I'm going to say it's still a MacGuffin. Yeah. It's a little metal MacGuffin. And we see one instance of this backwards time thing, which is like, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. um, they don't explain it or anything, um, but, you know, protagonist, and I think that's so stupid. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't see the point. And I think it lessens, it makes me feel like the character is not, if everybody, even Sir Michael has a name, why can't the hero of the film? The I only don't other thing I can figure is, we're talk, they're, they're talking about the nature of time and the way things move back and forth. In effect, they're talking about the nature of narrative. The way the story moves in different directions, and at some on some points intersect. I think they're up. They're playing up the idea that it's a story, and that really that's what he is. He is the protagonist of the story. I guess I. I personally, I. I don't know what the actual thinking was behind that decision. I don't think it helps. I don't think it really does anything. That. If anything, it lessens the character because he didn't have a name, mm-hmm. and he's—he does a great job. He's, as I said, he's good, easy on the eye. He's a good actor, uh, good action stuff. Why does he not get a name? I don't understand it. There are big nothing... chunks of the dialogue that I don't understand. I mean, <laughs> just the dialogue. Oops. Well, getting ahead. Yeah, no, the, <laughs> like at that one line that Clements Posey uses. You know, we're in a cold war. To know about it is to lose. What? Uh-huh. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't fit with anything they tell you later, except that anybody who knows about it has to be killed, except when they aren't. And well, they do say things like, we can't have any actual record of yeah. what we're doing, because those things could be found in the future. Uh, Which, okay, that part makes sense. Don't send email. Don't leave a voicemail. Don't even, you know, don't do anything electronic that might still, just do it by voice. Okay, that, I can get that. Mm. That makes sense. Um, I suppose. That's one of the things that I just... One of the other things that is brought up is that this time travel thing, um, they're, they've learned how to uh, reverse the entropy of the world. No. <laughs> no. No. And there's certain points where this is where their people are moving backwards or later when... I guess they go into the future, kind of. 
Uh, and things are running backwards. Oh, no, he's caught in a fire, except it's really cold. Well, no, that's the idea that uh, they said you freeze instead of burn because heat transfer is reversed. Well, except, of course, that they're not even consistent with that, because well, at one point, Cat um, goes into the future, but she's not going backwards. Something like, yeah, I don't I understand don't. why they have to drive backwards. I don't either. Um what is the advantage? And, and, all right, the, and earliest on, you brought this up in the yeah. in the uh, the uh, wrap up, the the roundup, the the thing, the catastrophe. Oops, um, and that's they actually say because they're they're trying to teach the skill of being able to basically call the bullet to your hand, grasshopper. Yeah. Um, well, you have to have done it, and then yeah. they specifically don't have to have done it because yeah. he never drops the bullet. I never so that understood can... that. The idea is that oh yeah, you can have the bullet jump from the table into your hand if you've all if you then drop it or have already dropped it, and that never happens again. No, it doesn't make any sense. And also, I don't understand the point of reverse entropy. Oh, this calls the bullets back into the gun. Which causes the same amount of damage. Well, no, apparently it's more damage. It's apparently worse for some reason. It's like, oh yeah, if you've been shot with a backwards bullet, you're going to die, even if it's a wound that would normally be healable, unless we take you into the future and send you back. I don't know! I don't either. Um, it's. I don't think it's consistent. Uh, we're, it? we're not going to be able to hold this off for too much longer, but oh. one of my notes was this f- film, or in this case, Christopher Nolan, desperately wants this to be clever. Desperately yeah. wants to be really, really clever. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb, and you know, Max, if you don't agree with me, that's fine. Yeah. I'm going to say it's not. <laughs> I think it comes close. I think it tries to deal with some interesting ideas. But it throws them at you so hard, so fast, and I don't think they were fleshed out. I don't think they had the logic worked out. I think it's just, well, this would be cool. Yeah. I want to say you you, you said that uh, the actors were only allowed to read the script in a small box with no air and just a little <laughs> lettuce and carrots. And, and they could only read it with one eye and only they had to skip the vowels. In a way, I think that actually worked because some of my notes, and I'll admit when I'm, I'm wrong, but this film basically is daring you to guess things like it wants you to guess things. And one of my earliest notes was that um, uh, Robert Pattinson was a bad guy. And I honestly think that the reason I thought that was because Robert Pattinson didn't know whether he was or Uh. not. Um, I also thought that the, uh, the character um, Priya, Priya, I can't remember um, who is a, uh, the supposedly the wife of a very, influential and powerful Indian businessman, and she turns out to be in charge, my thought was, oh, she's actually going to be the one behind this. I got this wrong, too. But there are moments in the film and their performances where the actors have this, in, in the byplay, they have this look of confusion like, am I the bad guy? And I honestly don't know if that's something they brought to the performance or they just honestly didn't know. I can't say I saw that, but uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. The thing, yeah. That's an interesting idea. I, I got to say... For the most part, the plot sort of stays on... There aren't a lot of moments where I go, oh, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. But there are a few. Stay on target. (laughs) One of them, there is, and you don't need to know why, but Kenneth Branagh is wearing this Fitbit, basically, that if, if if he dies, a bomb goes off. Okay. Which is bad. Let's just assume that that's bad. Yeah, it's a bad thing. Well, bombs going off are rarely good things, (laughs) especially at gender reveal parties. But (laughs) Wow, okay. Sorry, California. Yeah, seriously. Uh, So soon. And they say, okay, look, he's going to kill himself, so we have to do everything we can to keep him from killing himself until this certain point. I'm going, you could just bonk him on the head. <laughs> or slip him a Mickey or or shoot yeah. him with a dart. We've seen you knock people out. Why do you just oh no, we have to distract him and I have to fool him and I have to keep him talking. It's like, no! <laughs> Hit him up and besides those Fitbits, you can hijack the signal from those really easily. You could just feed it false information. Those things mm. are not Pentagon material. Well, maybe they are. In the future. Oh, that's it. It's a future. Well, the, to be fair, they don't say it's a Fitbit. He says it's a fitness tracker because they didn't want to pay, pay Fitbit. Yeah, it's but a Kleenex. that part, that I, I'm sorry. I'm just going, um, yeah, that 
for all you smart people, you sure didn't come up with a, with a, a good uh, plan for that. Yeah. Let's uh before we get to the the parts that we're kind of chomping at the bit at, I did think of one thing I would like to just sort of bring up in general for this series, and that's just the idea of time travel. Oh yeah. Um time travel is one of those tropes that really se- seems to pique the interest of viewers and fans and readers and stuff and say, like, "Oh yeah. boy, time travel, we get to do this cool thing." Yeah. I used to love it too. I used to love the idea. It seemed like fun. Um I gotten over it. Because, as we'll find out in this series, for the most part, it doesn't make any sense. Now, there's two schools of thought on the way time travel, if it made any sense, would work. One of them is you literally go back in time, and if everything is cool, then you can come back to where you started from. That you're in the same time stream, the same thread, whatever you want to call it. The other school of thought is that every time you go back in time and anything is changed potentially even including your having gone back in the first place, you actually have caused a split. And they actually, they talk about this in Back to the Future too. So that you're no longer in your own timeline, you're in an alternative timeline, okay? Um, Either way you look at it, it's really problematic. Um, And we, we, we have a number of troubles, some of which I never thought about, but were brought up recently. The most obvious of which, when you think about it is, oh yeah, that wouldn't work at all. So going back in time is great. Problem is space and time are not constant with each other. So if you go back to 1922, the earth is literally not in the same position that it was Mm. in 1922. Never mind where it might've been at the particular time around the sun. The, uh, universe is constantly expanding at thousands of miles per whatever. Uh, so you're going to be in the middle of space or Venus or just not where you thought you were That's going to be. That's honestly not even the most serious problem. I mean, there, as you say, there are two basic schools of thought about time travel, but I'd put it a little differently. One is that you can affect that you can affect the time stream, and the other is you can't. The idea is either, and both of those are problematic, because if you can't affect the time stream, if you can't go back, if you go back in time and nothing you do makes a difference, what's the point, apart from just absurd, you know, just historical research? And if, you ca- if any time you go back, you can change the past, then there is no consistency. Then there's nothing to stop other people from doing it, and time itself stops existing. There's no cause and effect. It also is the idea of, is there free will? If you can't change the past, that means you can't alter the timeline. That means everything is set up. It's it's predetermined. And so the idea of free will disappears. And I have to say one thing about this movie. They do bring up one of the big issues of time travel that was a thought experiment years and years ago people came up with, the grandfather paradox. Yep. And that actually brings us, I'm sorry to interrupt, but it yep. brings us to one of the questions I brought up. And that is, does this film address that paradox issue? Yeah. But first, Max, I yeah. shouldn't have cut you off. Could That's you explain okay. the grandfather paradox? Sure. If, you're, if both of your grandfathers are medical people, they're a paradox. So I will now kill you yes. and send you ahead <laughs> to the future five <laughs> years and eight months. <laughs> No, please, please, President Bieber will have me locked up. Um, He's Canadian. He can't be president. Oh, yeah, you didn't know. I mean, that's the only reason. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I didn't mention how President Schwarzenegger had the law changed. Um, Uh, The the idea is your grandfather invents a time machine. You use that time machine to go back into a period before your grandfather met your grandmother and you kill your grandfather because I guess you're just a jerk. So how can that work? If you kill your grandfather before he gave birth to, before he sired your your parent, you're never born, and you've killed him before he invented the time machine. So you can't have used the time machine to go back. Right. They mention this in the movie. They do not answer it. They simply no. say it's a matter of belief. Right. Like, which is kind of a cop-out. But yeah. honestly, it's unfair to expect Christopher Nolan to actually answer that, because no one can. That's a well, paradox. You could answer it in the realm of your own movie's universe. You could say, uh, we have decided X. And instead, all they do is say, whatever you do, <laughs> I hate to put it this way, but whatever you do, don't touch yourself in the future. <laughs> <laughs> 
because that they say, and the thing is, they're like, oh, we have to glove you up and get you all. Now, there is a reason they do this, and it has nothing to do with him not touching himself. It has everything <laughs> for us to not realize that something has happened that has happened, um, which is fine. And I usually they t- say, don't meet yourself if you time travel, because that will cause the big par- paradox. Oh, yeah. And- they also say, don't come in contact with yourself or you'll be annihilated. And then we right. see that the, we, we have an example of that is not true. Not skin to skin. But they don't say skin to skin. They say contact. Well, well I think that's because they're saying it while they're, they're having him dress up in his stormtrooper armor. So uh, I think that's the implication. But it's not well. Yeah. Yeah, I don't understand how yeah. clothing prevents paradox. Literally, the only point of that is we need you to wear a mask in this scene, okay? Uh, we yeah. have to have an explanation for you wearing a mask. Because um, apparently breathing backwards air doesn't work yeah, because apparently the it inverted gas, I don't, I don't know. Um, it. Yeah, okay. So uh, they address the paradox. They address it in that they mention it. Yeah, they, they acknowledge really do it. They don't it. really try to answer it, which I get. Yeah. But. Yeah. Is this, uh, would you say, uh, continuing with the talking points, yeah. is this a good use of time travel? So the idea is that this scientist in the future has uh, created time travel thingy stuff, MacGuffins, and she decides to hide them where they would never be found in the past. We'll get to that in a second, but mm. that's the main thrust of this story. She's She's found a way to and communicate with the past and make inverted time stuff. Is this a good use of time travel, Max? Uh, well, hang on. When you say good use, do you mean good use narratively or good yes. use scientific? Oh, narratively? Oh, yeah, this is... The, the, well, for this movie, yes. It's because it's the heart of the movie. It's the entire point of the plot. Mm. Yeah, you know, this, the entire motivation that's going on is about time travel. So, yeah, it's very, it's very effective. As mm. long as you don't try to figure out what's actually happening. <laughs> well, that brings me to my next question was, <laughs> did time travel make for a cohesive plot? No! That's a big no! <laughs> I think that's pretty clear. Yeah. Cohesive? Yeah. I mean, there's a plot. Actually, there's about 11 plots, but... I guess. No, it's not. I don't think it does. I don't think this hangs together. It tries to. I gotta yeah. say, sometimes it comes close. <laughs> but... And negative, negative, it just impacted on the surface. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> the whole end sequence where it basically, and suddenly we're, we're not in a spy movie anymore, we're in a war movie. Yeah. And, yeah I mean, spy movies often go there. Yeah, so. yeah. But that part, it's just like, okay, I'm not, at that, by that point, it was like, I'm not even trying to, to make sense of this. Yeah. I had I had a few notes. One of which was confusing and not in a good way. Mm-hmm. Another was impossible to follow. Uh, yeah. So the last question is: Does the time travel as depicted make sense in this story? Uh, <laughs> I uh, uh, I don't think so. But I'm not yeah. sure. I, like when you say the idea that they could reverse entropy for small objects. I don't think it would be as cute as something jumping back in your hand or a bullet going backward. Entropy is one of the fundamental aspects of reality. I think if you reversed it, it would be a much bigger deal. Well, and I hear... It's sort of selective backwards stuff, right? Because if you want to think, if you really want to think about it, light wouldn't be hitting your retina. It would be emitted from your retina and blah, 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 blah. The whole backwards thing, not only is it not consistent because the backwards stuff isn't going on all the time, it doesn't make any sense. Like there doesn't seem to be a point to it. Um, there's some backwards foo. And I guess Which it looks for cool. An, yeah, but it's like, what is the point of this? Yeah, it's a, I don't a, get it. A battle using that time travel, which looked cool, but it's like, yeah, exactly. How does this help? How does driving yeah. backwards help? Is this it, just that's how other people perceive it, and you think you're driving forward? I, I mean, the only thing it would do is like when he first, the first dealing he has with this reverse polarity thing <laughs> is uh, he sees a bullet come out of. Or, yeah, come out of a piece of cement in the big opera house 
fiasco thing. And he's like, oh, what's that? Later on, he's walking past a glass wall and he sees bullet holes and he's he knows a little bit more now. And he's like, I wonder what that means. At that point, he should have been like, I should duck. Yeah, that's yeah. Should, but um, he finally figures out there's going to be a gun battle here. Right. So the point narratively seems to be, oh, we can add some tension to a scene by showing you what's going to happen, but not how it's going to happen. Okay. But the whole backwards foo thing or time foo or whatever you want to call it, honestly, just confuses everything. Like, because again, sometimes there is and sometimes there isn't. And I don't understand why going into the future causes things to go backwards. Um, And I also don't understand the whole end plot, the whole, well, I'm going to, if I can't have it, nobody else can the whole MacGuffin bomb, which is probably a better name for this film. Uh, I don't understand how, how that's going to cause what they want it to cause. Yeah. It doesn't like it's, it is very, very unclear. Um, I also, I'm going to hide something in the past. Oh, you mean where literally everything is hidden? <laughs> we'll never look there. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to bury it somewhere. You mean, yeah. okay, and you know for a fact that one of the things people love to do is dig up crap. Yeah, it's just a matter of time. Ha, 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 ha. Uh. Sorry. Um, I, that, that didn't seem clever to me at all. Like this 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 scientist who's, conve- who's invented the MacGuffin things. Uh, the, I guess it's literally referred to as an algorithm. Um, although I'd, I'd never seen such big, heavy algorithms before. Yeah, I don't think people know what algorithms are. You see this a lot now. People throw that term around. And they get algorithm mixed up with AI, and they get it mixed up with all sorts of things, and it's... Well, it's also usually not a solid object. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, I don't get it. Um, when I saw the previews for this, I thought it looked really cool because yeah. of the backward stuff, and it's like, oh, people have to learn to think a new way. Well... Unfortunately, that includes the audience, and we don't have time or training to do so. Um, so I guess the time travel seems to be both to hide these plot points. <laughs> it's literally mm. what they're hiding is plot points yeah. in the past, and then we have to catch up to them as they happen, kind of, mm. sort of. But I still no. Yeah, yeah. It hurts. It hurts. The yeah. hiding, the hiding. But at the very least, running the film backwards, oh, that never gets old. Never. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Since they first did it in probably the teens, oh, man, I just can't get enough of running stuff backwards. Nope. Yeah. You know, they taught those seagulls to... No, they didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm, I'm done with my notes. Uh, How about you, Max? Yeah, I I got one more thing, and that is, I don't know how gold works in this world, because... They are, first of all, it's remarkably easy for them to hijack a plane full of gold. And second of all, they're tossing gold bars around like they're packs of cigarettes. Gold bars are heavy. Those things would have weighed 10 to 20 pounds each. And they're just like lobbing them at each other like, here you go. You try that with with a brick, with a 20-pound brick. Anyway, that's that's an incredibly minor point, but it stuck (laughs) out because I understood that. I understand (laughs) that gold is heavy. I can, my brain can deal with that. But otherwise, yes, I think we can wrap this up. The Roundup. So, Max. Yes. This is the first viewing few, I'm guessing. Yes, it is. I've never seen it. I didn't read any, I tried to read nothing about it. I didn't do any of the prep work or look at the trivia beforehand. Yep. So I know that we brought up a bunch of minor niggling points <laughs> and people are going to point figures as like, you can't enjoy anything, can you? Because yeah. these little tiny details really bother you. Oh, and uh, by the way, a uh, hoary depths. Yeah. Um, but uh, besides all those niggling, yeah, minor tiny things. little thread details, what did you think? I see. I like Christopher Nolan's movies. I, I think he does. A, I think he's a good director. I think we had a great cast. I think some of the script was really interesting. I it just didn't work for me. I found it, I just found it very confusing. And it was disappointing because it looked like there was a really interesting story and some really interesting characters that we could have seen. And I think it went off the rails. I, I thought it was an interesting idea that just didn't work, but maybe that, excuse me, maybe that's just me. Mm. What about you? You know, sometimes you are hard on films, Max. Sometimes you do poke at things a little bit much, and maybe you bring out your little ruler, and it's like, oh, that middle few millimeters off are, are, doesn't weigh, weigh are, more than are that. Are we blah, blah, blah. talking but about me case, or you? 
<laughs> but in this case, you're totally justified. Yeah. Um, you know, when I'm sitting there writing notes like, I don't get it, and I, I don't understand what's going on, it's confusing, I can't follow this, and it's a two and a half hour film. So you said the pacing was good. Mm-hmm. The pacing was good. Yeah. The problem was that the depiction and what was going on wasn't clear and it can go by quick but if you don't get it that's not a good thing there's also some painfully obvious scenes of nothing but exposition Mm. and it's just like hello i'm michael kane (laughs) i'm here to tell you what's going on a little but just a minute somebody else will pick up where I left off. And that's pretty much what happens. It's like he goes from one person and then he meets somebody else and they're like, well, I'll tell you what's going on. It's of course, a, which is a don't. little surprising because they also make a big deal of, we can't tell you anything. <laughs> it's too, it's ignorance is your only defense. Now let me explain everything. Yeah. Also, there's an implication that if the group is successful, the good guys, the protagonist, if you will, if he is successful... The end result is that this movie never happened. <laughs> I guess. I'm not kind even of. sure if the story ends at the end or if it's supposed to go on or if the fight isn't over. I mean, there was a sequel big, I think. Um, we won't, again, we won't, we won't give that part away if you want to uh, watch yeah. the film. Uh, um, and hey, feel free. But Oh, I, did you notice that Tenet is, an, is a, a palindrome? Because it's the same backwards and forward. Oh, God. Sure, whatever. Yeah, sure. Um, that's great, Greg. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I really did want to like it. Like yeah. you, I, I've generally liked Christopher Nolan films. Um, I know a lot of people really like Inception. That uh, was an interesting big, movie. The big problem I had with Inception was the lead. I thought Leo was miscast. Mm. I would rather have seen somebody like Gabriel Byrne in that. Um, and I also just think the visual, the visuals didn't go nearly far enough. Um, because, like, I don't know about your dreams, but my dreams are never that coherent for that long. Yeah, yeah, but that's um, really hard to do. And I thought it, well, I thought it worked much better, and I thought it worked much better than this. Yeah, this, I, it just felt too much like he wanted to be clever. Yeah. Um, and it just, I didn't. The time travel was not clear. Um, I also, it's like this is literally the only thing that's going on with time travel is this one plot. Because if it's that. If it's reachable by one person, it's reachable by more than one person, and there'd be more stuff going on, and okay. And honestly, I think Christopher Nolan, he just wants to direct a James Bond movie. because yeah, let him. Inception I think he'd probably has, be good at it. And he probably would. Well, the end of Inception's basically a Bond film. A lot of Batman movies are like a Bond film, and this film is very much like a Bond film, sort of, kind of, with time kind travel, of. if you squint real hard. I gotta give, I gotta say this much. The movie is very ambitious. I think they yes. really took it, I, I admire that they took chances, and they tried something that wasn't easy, and it wasn't just a rehash, and I, got, I give them props for that. I, I just think this was a swing and a miss. Yeah, it's very much Dr. Acula all over again. <laughs> Wait, what? Dr. <laughs> Ac- Dracula. Oh. I get it. I don't like it. <laughs> Except I don't get it. Yeah. So first one, uh, time travel, uh, z- one and audience zero, yeah. at least in, in our case. Yeah. But, uh, could yeah. you uh, do us a favor and go sure. over the poll question again? The poll question for next week is what touching or sad movie scene, no matter how many times you see it, still makes you tear up? And of course, <laughs> you can answer that. You, not, not now, Mike. Stop. The, oh. Please stop thinking of the scene from Freddy Got Fingered. I will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> that that's that movie really, I really got to like. I still hate you for that. <laughs> yep. Yep. So uh, yeah. you can, of course, answer that question on our website at maxmikemovies.com. You can leave a comment. You can leave it. We'll post this on Facebook. You can leave it that way or Twitter. You can email your answers directly to us for double bumpy bucks. If you send it Ooh. to us at maxmikemovies.com. And as always, you want you platinum bumpy bucks, Twitter us. Yeah, yeah. Become one of our followers. We we have six. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> but uh, this sh- the show goes out to millions, yep. but only six will listen. Yep. <laughs> yep. So yes, Max Mike movies in both cases. Yep. So, but Mike. So oh, yes. When we once we move ahead in time into the far distant future of next week, what movie will be will we be talking about? Uh, I already told you. Oh Max, yes, we, we, no, no, we you, did this. You you told you told me, but I was going backwards in time at that point, and now I'm going the other direction. Just tell me the damn movie. 
So next week, and uh, Max actually doesn't know what the film is because we forgot to talk about that before the show. Um, Next week, I would like to do another not so distant past film, uh, and it's an indie film. And it's a film a lot of people were talking about. And I do love a good indie film. We basically don't get them much anymore. Um, But it was a film where a lot of people said this was time travel really well done. I would like to look at, I believe it's 2004's Primer. That's a really interesting film. And that one, if I remember correctly, at least brings up the idea of paradox and not the way that Max brought it up in the earlier part of this episode. (laughs) Two grandfathers who are doctors. How do I come up with this? I don't know. How do you come up with this? <laughs> hey! Hoary Depths. This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench.